With so much uncertainty, fear, and trauma occurring in our students' lives, how can educators improve the social-emotional health and regulation skills of each child? This week's guest, Nathan Maynard, explains how even through distance learning, all educators can use trauma-informed behavioral practices, mindfulness, and circles to improve our students' emotional well-being. Welcome back, everyone, to Aspire, the Leadership Development Podcast, where we will be discussing the visions, inspirations, and experiences from top educational leaders. My name is Joshua Stamper, and you can connect with me on Twitter or on Instagram at Joshua double underscore Stamper. Nathan, thank you so much for being on the podcast again. Yeah, hey, Josh, of course. And Nathan, you were on the episode previously with Brad and your book, Hacking School Discipline, had just come out. It is a phenomenal book. I've had my staff read it. I've been telling everybody, please read this book. It is phenomenal on restorative practices. I'm just curious, what was the response to the book and what has been the feedback for that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so the book came out. It was almost, you know, we had a year anniversary on March 11th um, when the book came out. And you know, since then, we've, you know, we've been building up sort of our audience on um, social media to connect with them more, hear where they're coming from. You know, Brad and I really believe like iron sharpens iron. You know, we may have had his 13, 14 years of educational experience, you know, mine 11 years of education, juvenile justice experience. And we put that into the book. But now we're getting so many other people around that have used some of those practices from the book, from other restorative practices training, and really hearing what's working, what's not working, and being able to support them around that. So it's really exciting just to see how people are starting to utilize this in something that is doable within their role. You know, also, we really believe that it's not just restorative practices. You have to do other components around social emotional learning, yeah. mindfulness, really get those kids in that good state of mind. So, you know, we've had really good feedback with, you know, building that up and just getting other people's, you know, experiences and anecdotes in there. So in the book, there's so many wonderful resources and and tips and tricks in regards to restorative practices. Have there been some things that readers have taken and really enjoyed within the book? Yeah, I think that, you know, the circling practice, like the the chapter called Circle Up, has been, you know, probably our, you know, most talked about chapter, just because a lot of people are understanding the implications this has for that school and, and classroom climate and culture. You know, giving those kids that ability to have their voice heard, giving kids that ability to, you know, be part of that. You know, we talk a lot about, you know, voice and choice with, you know, learning, but what does that voice and choice look like with circling up? So, you know, we've heard a lot around what does circling up look like, how to do circles, and really going off of that. We also talk a lot about, you know, the let's talk chapter. When a situation starts to occur, we believe that, you know, behavior management is 80% proactive, 20% reactive, but during that reactive state, how do we get those kids to understand that they may be firing in that amygdala response is that fight, fight or freeze response. And what can we do to really calm them down and get them in that good state of mind? So with the restorative circles or relationship circles, I know that there's different terms for a circle. For someone that maybe has never experienced being a participant in that, can you just kind of maybe give a, a quick description of what that is and what would that be used for? Yeah, so circles are... a a safe place for everyone to be on an equal playing field and to talk about current issues, different prompts to get, you know, just conversation going. And it really catalyzes investment into that classroom. So it gives everyone that chance to be heard. We know that, you know, the top three reasons why kids act out are, you know, power, attention, um, or their needs are being met. Circles really meet all, all three of those. You know, it gives that kid that chance to get that talking piece and be able to talk around, know what they have going on 
give someone that attention that they may be wanting and that they don't have to act out in class to get or, you know, seek in other directions. And also seeks to understand, you know, is there any unmet needs that the class can support around or that teacher can support around? So, you know, giving that everyone gets into a circle, having that chance to get a uh, talking piece, whoever has the talking piece is the one that can talk. And then just going over a circle prompt, having that voice being heard, and then being able to, you know, use affirmations to build that up and just keep that positive culture going. And then I want to talk about what you were referring to before about, you know, students at a heightened state. If for a situation where a student is maybe emotionally volatile and teacher is trying to react to that, what are some tactics they can use to really hone in on the child? Yeah, if a kid's in that heightened state, you know, the first thing that you're going to want to do is really try to remove the audience as much as possible because we know kids are like us adults, you know, that they get embarrassed, they get, you know, when they see someone looking at them, they're going to act a certain type of way to get some sort of reaction or to sort of hide a different reaction. So we want to sort of take that away so they don't feel, you know, like they have to impress the audience. Once you can really pull them away from that audience, it's about, you know, seeing where they're at and, and meeting them where they're at and trying to bring them down together. It's not about immediately saying, okay, take a deep breath, you know, calm down, you know, you, mm-hmm. you know, and then they're done. It's seeing where they're at and bringing that back down. You know, what I like to do with a kid is let them know that, you know, Hey, I'm here for you. I understand, you know, something's going on, you know, I'm going to need, you know, us to, you know, take a deep breath together before we can talk about this because, you know, we're not, we're not ready just yet. You know, the kid might be saying like, well, I'm about to get in trouble. You're about to send me down to the office and all these different types of ways. You know, we don't want to talk about that right now because they're in that amygdala state of mind, which is still fighting and flighting and freezing. They don't really know what to do. Mm-hmm. Once we can really get them back down to that good state of mind, you know, that's when we can start to process. That's when we can start to use some of those restorative practices. What I like to do with kids, too, is I like to give them two different options and say, OK, here's two different options. You know, that can be, hey, I can you can have a seat right here for a couple minutes or you can stand up over here. It's up to you, either one. And then I like to walk away and give them that chance to make that decision. When you're standing over the top of a kid or yeah. continuing that conversation, even looking at them, they may you know, be using their, their own personal coping skills of not knowing what to do. And they may be frozen in that situation or they might continue to get escalated. So saying, hey, you can stand over here and you know, give yourself a moment or you can sit over here and give yourself a moment. I'm going to walk over here and then in a minute we're going to talk about this. That lets them have that power back. That gives them that chance and it sort of helps de-escalate um, them a little bit because they can start using some self-regulation techniques uh, without a sort of standing present. Yeah, some of those nonverbal pieces too are so important because you just never Absolutely. know what's going to trigger a student with trauma. Oh yeah, definitely. So I love the piece that you talked about earlier with student voice and I know that obviously is really important around equity. Nathan, what have you brought to the classroom to increase student voice? Yeah, it's about feeling like you're you're part of something. And if you don't feel like you're part of something, you don't have that investment into that success. Let's say that you build up a project and you spend hours and hours and hours building up that project. Like you care about that project. Like if you would drop it right then and there, like you'd be sad. Like you don't want to see that project break. But if you spend, you know, like five minutes putting that project together, you don't care about the grade. If that project breaks or someone knocks that out of your hand, you're not going to care as much about that situation. That's the same way about know, being part of that culture. So when it comes down to equity and and, and them being a part of something, it's got to be, you know, equal. We've got to all be on the same page. We've got to work it up. We've got to bring up this culture of like, we're all in this together. It's inclusive. When situations occur that might be, 
you know, negative, depending on, you know, whoever the student is, we've got to look at them and make sure that, you know, they understand that we're always there for them. And then that circle work really brings up that student voice so then students can feel heard um, no matter, you know, how they're personally feeling or how they may be feeling in that classroom. Well, I kind of want to talk about something that's obviously going on right now and is a huge topic in our country, which is the coronavirus and what's being utilized, which is distance learning. How is social emotional learning possible during this time where, you know, everyone is, is trying to use social distancing? Yeah, this is the time for it. You know, we, we really need to look at, you know, the students that are under distress, under, you know, having anxiety kicked in and just everyone overall, even if students may not understand the, the magnitude of what's going on, you know, we know as educators, it's really tough because we have our own families, we have our own anxiety, we, we don't really know what's going to happen either. There's a lot of stuff on the news, a lot of stuff on the media. And you got to amplify that when you look at those students, some of our students with trauma or may not have the most supportive at home family lives, you know, what are they actually going through in these situations? Academics, it's tough to get to that academics level if they're not feeling secure and safe in that situation. So when you're looking at, you know, doing online learning and, and distance you know, educational opportunities for some of these students to continue that learning, you know, what does that look like to continue letting their voice be heard? hearing where their anxiety is, hearing where their concerns are, bringing to light of that, because some of those kids may not have anyone else to talk to about this. Maybe their friends are joking around about it. Maybe they are not even talking to their friends. You know, with this social distancing, you know, we don't know how they're connecting or how they're not connecting. So as a classroom teacher or an educator, what can we do to do some of these circle um, work type rules still distance learning? So what can we do? You know, let's say you have, you know, Google Hangout or a Google Classroom going on and you have all your students present, you know, you can mute the class and then you can do a prompt and you could say, just checking in with everyone for the first, you know, couple minutes here. I just want to hear from whoever wants to talk, you know, how are you doing right now? Just something as simple as that. And then as soon as the student raises their hand, you can unmute that student and that, you know, they have the floor at that time. They can have a couple minutes to talk, you know, you as the facilitator, you're the teacher, you can still use affirmations. You can still talk. And then after that student is done, you mute that student, see who raises their hand next, and you continue working and, and bringing that voice out there. When it comes down to social emotional learning, it's not about just a curriculum or just a, some check boxes that we have to do. We're looking at how we're going to develop these, these students to be you know, successful humans and successful people, part of our environment and, and our culture. So the more that you know, situations like this pandemic is occurring, this is a really good time for us to teach that empathy, teach that ability to see where they're coming from and just reach them on both those different levels. Yeah, it's so important. So we're circling up to online. I love that. I know Zoom has the option of, like you said, yep. to have those mute and hand raised options there. So for anyone that's doing distance learning and um, needs a platform, that is definitely one that you could easily use for the circle up uh, for online distance learning. Um, Nathan, I wanted to ask too, just you know, during this time of distance learning, is there any other tactics that could be used for teachers? Because I think you're you're so right. I mean, we don't even know if our students are getting food at this time, let alone if their parents are around. Do you have any other ideas as far as teachers and what they can do during this time to meet the social emotional uh, needs of our students? Yeah, you know, I, I have this same philosophy for. You know, this is sort of like one of my core dispositions. Like, you know, when when a situation occurs, we don't know what else is going on. You know, when I see a negative behavior, I always talk about how to seek to understand, how to figure out what's driving that behavior. You know, what's going on with that? Same thing in a situation like this. 
we may think we know, you know, we may have a good relationship with that student, but we may truly not know. So the best thing that we can do as educators is just ask questions, ask open-ended questions, allow them to be heard, you know, meeting them on the level that they're at. You know, we know that some of our students may not have, you know, the best, you know, situation. They're not going to have a, you know, a desk and a computer and a, you know, bright lighting and all this, you know, situation. So we can't assume that every student is going to be able to meet all the needs that we may be asking down the road. So just ask those questions. We've got to understand that, you know, it's it's challenging times for everyone. So you know, no matter what's going on, we got we got to be flexible and we've got to give those students, you know, the chance to let us know really what's going on in their life and then see what we can do to support them. So Nathan, whenever this does um, end and you know we get some normalcy within, with our own lives, what is a good starting point? Because obviously what we've talked about is there's probably more trauma that's going to occur even for a healthy home. There's, there's kids going through something that is traumatic in the sense that you're having to quarantine yourself. Yep. So when school comes back to session and a, a campus is seeing, okay, well, we obviously need to do something with social emotional learning. What are maybe some first steps that a campus can put in place? Yeah. So, you know, Brad and I, we really love mindfulness. We think that that's such a good spot to start, um, especially with students of trauma and with a situation like this occurring, that's affecting, you know, just so many different people, you know, starting out with some mindfulness practices for not just your class, but for the school. You know, we've seen schools before, you know, even over like uh, the morning announcements, do some sort of breathing exercise or do something to, you know, just just something to set up those students for success. It can be something quick. You know, you can do mindfulness exercises for just, you know, two minutes starting out your class. And then every once in a while doing something like that is really helpful. We know that, you know, the lasting effects of trauma you know, play into, you know, a lot of different roles in students' lives and, and how their brain reacts to situations. So we know that when school does start back up, you know, we're going to we're gonna see some students that have been traumatized over this, you know, that, that's pretty easy guess at this time, assumption. Yeah. So what we can do is, you know, start some of these mindfulness techniques and help those students with some of the self-regulation. We know that if we just put, put the pedal down and say, okay, we got some academics to do, you know, we missed out, let's push, 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 you know, when school starts back up, you know, we're, we're going to trigger some of these students and we're not going to meet their needs. And if some of these students are triggered, they're not going to learn anything. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the best thing we can do is really help with that self-regulation. And I think starting with mindfulness is a great spot to start. So I know your world for, with hacking school discipline is kind of turned upside down in a good way. You were in the classroom. What are you doing now? Yeah, currently what we're doing is, you know, we're, we're supporting schools still as much as possible. Brad and I have, you know, we were, you know, doing different trainings with schools and, and job embedded coaching with schools. Now we're turning it into a lot of virtual supports. So, you know, we get a lot of people that are reaching out to us and still doing, you know, staff trainings around this, what they can do to use some of these practices, you know, with this um, new e-learning or, you know, whatever platform they're doing and trying to support them around these issues. Because, you know, restorative practices doesn't come down to, um, just when a student is acting out, you know, when we're looking at, you know, hacking school discipline, you know, I know it has discipline and that's got the connotation, but we really got to remember that discipline's about that teaching. That's about, you know, helping them get to that mindset and that self-regulation of being able to deal with tough situations and, and work past that. And we are too. So, you know, what Brad and I are trying to do at this time is just whatever we can do to virtually support schools. You know, I've received probably more emails than I've ever received before from a lot of administrators just saying, Hey, what can we do during this time? And Brad and I have been sending out some free resources and just getting on there and then seeing if there is some opportunities for us to, you know, sort of support their school at this time. 
Yeah, and I love on Twitter, I think you and Brad have done a great job about trying to change the perception of that word discipline and letting it be known that it's really a word of disciple, which is, you know, that teaching piece. So as far as changing that mindset over that word, I mean, really in your own mind and definition, what what is discipline? So I feel like discipline is the ability to teach self-regulation, teach the ability to sort of take situations that you're not planning for and be able to deal with them and be able to, you know, work through, you know, things on your own, you know, eventually. So, you know, to get them to those points, though, they're going to need teaching components. You know, when you look at a student that may have a reading deficit, we don't say, okay, you have a reading deficit. We take away your book. You're not allowed to read for a week. (laughs) You know, when we see a kid that's acting out in a class, you know, and it sounds silly, right? But like when we see a kid that's acting out in a class, you know, that's what we do, right? We say, okay, well, you acted out in this class. We're not going to see you for three days. Here's an out-of-school suspension. And three days from now, you know, you, you learned your lesson, sit there, listen, don't yell like that ever again. You know, and, and sometimes that works for kids, right? Sometimes, you know, some of our students may respond to that, but we know most of the kids do not respond to that. And that that's punitive, right? That's that, you know, other spectrum. Discipline is teaching them that. So there still needs to be consequences within discipline, but those consequences can be logical and they can be restorative. You know, when we're looking at the different types of consequences, you know, we, there's there's the three different types that have the most effect in changing behavior. Those are natural, logical, and restorative. Yeah. Natural and logical, you know, together create that restorative. You know, it's very natural that if you do something wrong to someone, you're going to have to own that with them, and you're going to have to take responsibility for your actions and see what you can do to make that right. And it's logical because if you do something that pertains to the cafeteria or a classroom specifically, we want you to fix it in that area. So, you know, restorative really combines that natural and logical consequence together. Yeah, and I wanted to bring up something that you co-created, which is the behavior management software, the Behavior Flip. So what's oh, yeah. that all about? Yeah, so we created Behavior Flip. It's the first restorative behavior management software program. So there's a lot of PBIS systems out there that are really focused on this extrinsic motivation. You know, you you get positive points, you get negative points, but you know, we don't really know what the positive means and we don't know what the negative means. You know, every classroom might be a little bit different. Right. Some are school-wide specific, but again, it's turning to this punitive lens that you do something wrong, we're gonna give you a, give you a point for it or give you an event for it. So Brad and I took that idea and we really adapted that into a restorative lens. So if you do something wrong, it still could get logged. It, it's something that if it's interrupting the learning environment of other students, that's something where it needs to still be documented in, in some spot. So we know to drop down the recidivism. You know, Brad and I are huge data nerds. So, you know, we love to see the data and that sort of stuff too. And if you do something wrong, you have a chance to make that right. So let's say that, you know, I, I yell in the middle of the classroom. It's the second time I yelled and the teacher, you know, typically would do that as a referral down to the office. Instead of doing a referral, they can document that in behavior flip. When they document that in behavior flip, there's a weighted point value associated with each one of those different behaviors, positive or negative. But anything that is negative, they have a chance to repair the harm. So if I yell in class and then, you know, me as a teacher, I'm going to say, hey, I'm going to have to document that in behavior flip. But after class, we can talk about how you can fix that. That lowers down anxiety of that student. 
So we see small situations stay small, which is always great. We see teachers take more control over those situations as well, because, you know, a lot of times, you know, Brad and I are, you know, huge on social media and we see so many memes and so many teacher posts saying like a kid got in trouble in the classroom. They came back with a lollipop and a smile and they're like, what the heck? Like, you know, no one really knows what's going on. So now, you know, when the situation occurs, that teacher is empowered to take responsibility and, you know, help that student coach that or come up with a creative consequence with that student in that moment, then that event is nulled out and we can see if that drops down that recidivism. Mm -hmm. It also helps track with the circles being used in the classrooms, which circles or not. Um, It also gives um, teachers the ability to, because we, you know, we still need some of that extrinsic motivation sometimes. You know, Brad and I believe, you know, that intrinsic is the way to go, but sometimes you still need some of that extrinsic. So we change that lens up where you can reward students for resiliency points. So then if there's a student that's doing something that is classified as a resiliency point, you could reward them around that. It also gives, you know, we believe in social emotional learning as a whole, you know, child to get, you know, get developed. So there's some social emotional learning components built into the software. Also, we have anonymous um, tips, anonymous bullying or suicidal prevention or suicidal ideation. And it's called I Need Help. So a kid can log into that app. They can click a button that says I Need Help. There's a couple drop downs there. Um, It gives them, you know, the suicide prevention hotline. And then that sends that um, to the school as well. So, I mean, that helps with those different aspects that sometimes as educators, it's, it's tough for us to capture all that. Sure. So, you know, we're trying to do a resource that will do all that. And it gives, you know, really good data in the classroom, in the school and district level. That's awesome. So, Nathan, Thanks. I know yeah. you talked about free resources for our listeners, especially for social emotional learning and distance learning. And then, of course, you've got your different components with hacking school discipline and then also with behavior flip. So for those who are looking for any of those resources, where would they go and find those? Yeah, definitely. So, so we have a couple different, you know, platforms. So um, if you go to our hacking school discipline, Facebook group, we have about, I think around 38,000 educators on there right now. We provide a lot of resources on there. You're going to hear a lot of voices outside of just Brad and I's because again, you know, we, we all, you know, we truly believe iron sharpens iron. You know, people are going to make other people better. So, so we're going to hear those voices. Also, if you want to get other resources, we have a mailing list that you can sign up um, on our website um, as well, hackingschooldiscipline.com. That's going to give you some of those free resources that we provide with. Uh, we have 101 um, free circle prompts. We have a, a, it's an hour training around circles. And that's something that we did with the core collaborative, which has been helping us with um, sort of scaling some of our implementation with um, larger school districts and some of the other school districts around the nation. So we have a couple of those different resources that are you know available too. Definitely check out those resources. I, I'm a part of that Facebook community too. It's phenomenal. Everything Great. that you and Brad put out there, um, I am such a huge fan of. So for the listeners, if you, you haven't connected with Nathan or Brad, uh, make sure you do that. Check out the previous Aspire podcast too with the Hacking School Discipline episode. You guys provided so much insight during that episode too. Nathan, how can they connect with you on social media? Yeah, so my biggest platform right now is Twitter. Um, my Twitter handle is just nmaynard, E-D-U. Um, so that, you know, that's the, the number one for me. And then number two would probably be that Hacky School Discipline Facebook group. Nathan, it's always a pleasure to talk with you. You provide, again, so much wisdom in regards to social emotional learning and restorative practices. And it's an honor to have you on the Aspire podcast again. Yeah, thanks, Josh. I, I feel the same. I feel the same around you. <laughs>